Hey, thanks so much for joining me on Between the Two of Us, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Jen Alley, a licensed professional counselor, wife, and mom. In this podcast, we will talk about modern day life as it relates to your mental health. Drawing on my professional experiences of being a therapist the last 14 years, my background in education, and my personal experiences, I want to help you feel less alone in your struggles while teaching you what I wish everyone knew about brain science and mental health. While this podcast isn't therapy, I will offer practical tools and strategies grounded in neuroscience to improve your relationships, life, and mental wellness. Thanks so much for listening. Grab your cup of coffee or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the Between the Two of Us podcast. This is Jen Alley. I am your host, and I am excited today to talk to you about systems and organization as it relates to our mental health. And the reason I am thinking about this, this is something I actually think about quite a lot. Um, You know, I've been married for almost 13 years. And before we got married, I was probably on the uber organized, maybe too much focused on that. Um, And I married someone who was kind of the opposite. My husband um, has ADHD and he does not notice messes and he has a very creative mind and likes to hold on to things. Um, So kind of like married my opposite, which I think is true for a lot of people. And then, of course, we had kids. So two kids later, if you have kids, you know that there is just an onslaught of stuff that enters the house every single day. And so then on top of that, you know, just trying to kind of keep the household running and also my therapy practice and now this podcast and things I'm trying to kind of do on the side. And so it just can start to feel like a lot. And I think regardless of what you're doing, you know, whether you are a stay at home mom, which to me is the hardest job, um, or you, you know, are juggling multiple things or you have a full-time job and a family, or you're in school, it's just a lot. There's a lot of demands that come along with life. And so I thought it would be helpful to talk about, we talked last week about stress, and I thought it would be helpful to talk this week about what are systems that can help with the stress that we experience, can help to kind of mitigate or, you know, prevent some of the stress, but also can give us some routine and consistency to help with the stress, especially when life is particularly chaotic. So I, in general, tend to struggle with a lot of stuff. So I'll just tell you that now. I think I didn't know this growing up about myself, but I think I'm a person who probably has some sensory processing sensitivity stuff going on, which just means that I can be easily overwhelmed or overly aroused by external stimuli. And I think that's true for about 10 to 20% of the population. That means that for me, like walking into a store like HomeGoods, while I love HomeGoods, it can be kind of like a visual onslaught to me. It's a lot to take in. It can leave me feeling a little bit like overwhelmed. So even for like shopping purposes, I prefer kind of like a small boutique or even like the grocery store, like thank goodness for curbside. I love small stores like Trader Joe's. And so as I've gotten older and kind of realized these things about myself, it's helped me to kind of structure my life around things that work better for my system. Of course, it's not always possible, but it's just helpful to kind of know what works for you. 
And so you may not experience being overly impacted by stimulus, but even if not, I think you'll find this podcast episode helpful because many of us have many hats and responsibilities and that can lead to overwhelm. And I know for me, as I'm more stressed or more overwhelmed, a lot of times the first thing that goes is the things that really would make me feel better, like exercising or like spending time by myself or with my husband. So I often also find that clients who come into my therapy practice who are struggling with mental health issues are also often struggling with good habits that benefit their mental health, things like getting enough sleep or keeping their space tidy or moving their bodies or spending time, quality time with other people. Or spending time by themselves, right? That isn't just scrolling on their phone. And so I do want to say like, you know, as I talk about this, like this is me too. Like I'm, this is not me like preaching at you. This is saying, this is also something I am working on is how to have better routines and habits and organization and structures in my life in order to feel better and in order to, you know, be a better mom that I want to be in order to be less kind of overwhelmed and anxious and to be more present with my people. So I'm a person in general who kind of struggles to stick to a schedule outside of concrete appointments, like left to my own devices. I'm pretty productive person, but I kind of like to do it when I want to do it. But what I've found is that especially as a busy mom, it usually just doesn't, I don't end up getting to the things that really would benefit my physical and mental and emotional well-being. And so I am trying to learn how to create structure and to stick to it, which again is hard for me and maybe it's hard for you too. I think a lot of our lives again as a parent, and maybe you're a parent, maybe you're not, but if you're a parent, so much of our lives revolves around our kids and their schedules and their activities and their needs. And it can just be easy to really like let our own, you know, emotional and physical needs kind of go. And so if that's you, if you find yourself there, I just want to say, I get it. It's really tough. And also I know that you will feel better. I will feel better as we start to prioritize our own needs and our, the things that make us feel more whole. So I want to explain something to you, which, you know, I'm actually in a course right now. It is um, Chelsea Joe. It's an online course and it has a, a live component. It's actually kind of a master class. It's called Systemized to Scale. But she has two courses leading up to that that come with Systemized to Scale, which is all about systemize your life and systemize your biz. And what I like about her work is that she starts with this idea of what are your fundamental needs? These are the things that you really need in your life to be doing well. So I want you just to take a minute and think about that of like, when I am doing well, what am I doing in my life? What am I making space and time for? What am I prioritizing? So I'll go ahead and tell you what mine are. And some of these come from her suggestions and some of these are just my own. For me, I think it's really important that I get all the laundry as far as the clothing done during the weekend. Um, That might sound silly, but for me, I'm not a load up day person. I know some people can do that really well, but for me, I can get kind of backlogged and then 
it just feels like I'm always doing laundry. So for personally for me, it's helpful to get all the clothes washed during the weekend. And then during the week, I can just throw in sheets and towels and things that are easier to kind of put away that don't need a lot of folding. Um, I don't fold my sheets, by the way, so there's something about me. Um, also, I think a fundamental need for me is a date night, and that can be tricky to come by, right? You need childcare, also the scheduling, And, you know, lately we haven't been in such a good place with this. We've had sick kids um, and, you know, just a lot going on. And so I think that's something that in order for our marriage to be in a healthier place, we need to prioritize our relationship. Um, Also, weekly meal planning. This is not my favorite thing to do, but I mean, who wants to decide what everyone is going to eat every day for ever, basically. Um, but, and especially, you know, my kids are a little bit picky, maybe yours are too. I have found something that works really well for me on this. And so I'll just tell you what that is. And that is that I use Trello, which you can just use the free version. That's what I have. And I have made cards that have different meals that my family likes And then each week I just move the ones that we're going to have from the family approved list into the this week column. And then I also can link the recipes if it's an online recipe that I'm going to do. And I also have a, you know, a list of things that I want to try. So for me, this has helped because instead of like, uh, what are we going to have for dinner for the next week and trying to like imagine everything that my children like I already have a concrete list and I can just pull things over um so I'm happy to show you how I do that I can maybe make a little reel about that but that has really helped me to kind of make it a little bit easier more tangible so it really helps me if every week I order groceries and I clean out the fridge because the fridge gets dirty and messy and gross and so Of course, I don't necessarily clean it out every week, but if I can do these things and order groceries again, I usually do curbside. I love curbside. It's really helpful for me. We can just, my husband usually can pick it up or I'll pick it up and then, you know, we put away all the groceries at once. And so I don't do a ton of like meal prepping, but a lot of people really benefit from that as well. And so I think anything we can do, right, to just make it easier, to make it more consistent that we can, you know, have healthy food on the table, but also it's helpful financially if we can plan in advance to know what we're going to be eating. Another fundamental need for me is to exercise three to four times per week. I often don't get in three to four exercise times per week, but that is key for me to feel better both physically, emotionally, mentally, and hormonally. So um, I try to think about that too. As a side note, like when I'm thinking about doing things that are good for my mental health but take up time, it's just like everyone in my family benefits when I do these things. It's not selfish. It's something that like when I do these things, it has a ripple effect that is a positive thing. Because I'm less stressed, I'm less anxious, I'm more pleasant to be around, you know, everything. Also, a fundamental need for me is to spend time outside. I love being outside. I want to prioritize it more. Um, 
having family fun and playtime where, you know, we're not doing like we're not just trying to move people from here to there or to get things done, but we're just really like focused on playfulness and being together and snuggling or whatever that looks like playing games. I also need about eight or more hours of sleep per night. I have not been getting this lately because perimenopause is kicking my booty. But in general, I thrive with more sleep. And we're going to talk in a few minutes about how to improve your sleep. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm going to give you some more specific details because we know that sleep is a critical aspect of mental health. For, for me, also a fundamental need is having some quiet time either in the morning or the evening where I just kind of reflect, go inward, a little bit of time focusing on my emotional needs. I also do a little gratitude practice during that time. A fundamental need for me also is some da- daily tidying, again, because I kind of struggle with when things are, you know, really messy or overwhelming. That's something I do, and we'll talk more about that. And something I'm learning from Chelsea Joe is about zone cleaning. And this is helpful because it's basically like every week of the month is assigned a different area of my house. And during that week, I really focus on decluttering those specific spaces. And so, for example, this week is the kitchen. And so I I kind of, I rarely have like a huge block of time. Like I don't have a full day to work on that. So instead, like this morning I was like, okay, I'm going to set my timer for 15 minutes. And I cleaned out, I don't know, maybe like four drawers and two cabinets or something. And just, you know, wiped them all down, got rid of stuff that we don't use. Um, and just made sure it was all clean and like put it back together. And so, I do want to say, you know, I do have the privilege of having a housekeeper who comes um, and that is so helpful to me. And if that is something that your family can afford for us, that has been a game changer um, just because it has really significantly lightened my load. And I, you know, obviously everyone can't do that. And I totally get that and recognize that it is a privilege. But for me, it's also been a great accountability thing because it means that my whole house needs to be reset before they come Um, because I don't want them to spend time tidying. I want them to clean, clean. So um, again, so that's something that has really benefited me. So I think those are my main fundamental needs. And I'll just share too, you know, I'm also working to have my family help me with these things. You know, everyone in my family puts away their own laundry. They prep their clothes for laundry, meaning they clean out their pockets and they help put away all of their laundry My kids unload the dishwasher most of the time. They tidy their rooms daily. They tidy their stuff around the house daily. Um, And then I also have them like wipe down the bathroom counters and sometimes do a few other things around the house that's helpful. So we're kind of working on, you know, making it a family thing. But for me, it's very helpful if we can do some sort of like daily reset Also, as a side note, I wasn't, I hadn't even thought about this, but you know, I used to make my bed every day and I got out of the habit and it's funny how, I mean, for years and years and years, I made my bed every day and then I kind of stopped doing it and it's just easy to fall out of habit. But I will say I've started doing it again and it makes me feel so much better. It's just such a better way to start the day. So if you're not making your bed, that's a great place to start. So even if you are not a person who cares very much about, you know, the visual appearance of your home, you maybe don't care about the tidiness or something like that, I still want to tell you 
that the research indicates that a messy and disorganized space makes it harder for you to concentrate. The reason for this is that this was from, let's see, the Princeton University Neuroscience Institute. And they were analyzing the effects of uncluttered and organized living. And basically, if you think about it, when your visual field is taking in a lot of information, like a lot of clutter, it makes your brain struggle to handle information effectively. So essentially, a cluttered environment leads to distraction and also lowers your ability to process information compared to when you are in a tidy, organized, and calm setting. There's another study from UCLA, and they found that clutter significantly influences our self-esteem and mood. So they studied 32 families and found that there was a connection between elevated cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone, in women particularly, and a high density of household items. So in other words, if the household had more stuff, the female in particular experienced elevated cortisol or stress levels. Now, the impact on males was not as pronounced, and the study did not have, you know, details about, you know, why this might be different, but I, you know, I can't help but assume that there's some gender norms tied into there in terms of many times, you know, in our society, and especially historically, women have been kind of the homemakers, the homekeepers, the ones who are responsible, the ones that we blame if things are not you know, functioning well in the household. So that may not be true for your house in particular, but I just, you know, have to imagine that there might be some correlation between that. So all that to say, if you have a lot of stuff in your house, it it is likely to be impacting you negatively in some way, whether it's keeping you from being able to do your best work or having clear focus or even affecting your self-esteem and your mood. I can tell you personally that, you know, clients who come in who really struggle with clutter and, you know, a lot of stuff and they struggle just maybe with the energy or the motivation to tackle it, maybe they're depressed or struggle with anxiety, that even if they aren't personally bothered by the clutter, many of them report feeling embarrassed or feeling shame about having people over Or they might struggle with the unintended consequences, things like, you know, pests or like bugs or something in their house. And so I would just say that, like, even if it doesn't personally bother you, many times people feel like will report that, like, yeah, it doesn't bother me that it's messy, but I won't have people over. So it might be also having unintended consequences on your social life. So I want to just offer another tip, which is. As far as decluttering goes, if you're a person who feels overwhelmed by the amount of stuff in your spaces, or if you just are like me and you like to think about organizing, which I don't know, that's pretty nerdy, but it's true. I like to think about that stuff. I really like listening to the podcast, A Slob Comes Clean by Dana K. White. The reason I like her work is that historically, before I had kids, before I was married, I would have long time chunks of time where I could take everything out of a space and really clean it out and then put everything back in. I find it hard to find that kind of time now. So instead, Dana K. White has a five-step method. She says that she, you know, she she's undiagnosed, but she thinks she has ADHD. 
And so for her, it feels too overwhelming and she can get distracted if she takes everything out of that space. And then it's just like becomes a bigger mess. And I think for me, it's like, yeah, I can take everything out of the pantry, but then like I might not be able to get back to it. And it's just going to get more overwhelming as the stuff sits on my counter. So instead, she has this five step method that where you do not take everything out of the space to declutter. So for me personally, this works well. So the steps are step one look at all the trash and get all the trash out of your space. Step two is do the easy stuff. So things that have an established home, you take it there right away. So you don't make a stack. You just, as you pull items out, you take them to its space where it's supposed to be. Step three is duh clutter is what she calls it. These are things that are obvious that need to be gotten rid of. You know, maybe your child is now a size 10 and it's all the size six, six to eight, six or eight clothing that's dead donations. You, you know, whether you're going to sell it or you're going to donate it, you put it in the box and you get rid of it. Step four, you ask two decluttering questions. Number one, if I needed this item, where would I look for it? And you take it there. Step two is if I needed this item, would it occur to me that I already had one? In other words, if it's something that you use like once every five years, you might not even remember that you have it. And so if you wouldn't even remember that you had it, it might not be worth hanging on to if you would just go buy, buy it new anyways. And step five of the decluttering process for her is to make it fit. She talks about the container concept. What that means is like if you are cleaning out a closet, for example, the closet is the container. So you have to make it fit to the container. So you have to consolidate and purge down to the limits of the container a different example might be the pantry, right? So if that is your container, you need to consolidate until everything fits into the pantry. So hopefully that part was helpful. This is Those are just some kind of more practical things about decluttering and also a little bit more about the research side of why it's good to think about these things and good to incorporate some practices around, you know, helping your space be more tidy. So let's talk now, we've talked a little bit about this in previous episodes, but just in general, like why is it important to have routines? And again, I am not a person who loves routine and rhythm, but I love the positive impact that it has in my life when I establish them. So in general, right, we know that when we have routines, it helps us to be feel more stable and it helps us to reduce stress. And particularly if you think about times where life is sort of stressful or uncertain or there's a lot going on, there's something really helpful about having an effective routine. Again, I want to stress we're aiming for progress, not perfection. You know, this is never going to be perfect, particularly if you have kids, you know, like the last two weekends, someone has been sick. And so when that happens, everything just gets kind of, you know, off, off our rhythm, off our routine, and we have to kind of get back on it. But the routines are there as sort of just like, you know, this is like the baseline. If we can get back to that, then things will move better. We've also talked before about sleep, but I think it's important to talk more about it. So again, do as I say, not as I do. No, I, I struggle to go to bed at the same time every night, but I know that having a more consistent bedtime can be really important 
So routines like your sleep schedule and your bedtime habits, they're going to impact your mental sharpness, your emotional well-being, and your energy. So making consistent times for waking and going to bed helps you to get better rest. It sets your body up for more success in terms of sleep. So if you can go to bed around the same time each night, of course, we know this, but limiting screen time before we go to bed, which is so hard, right? Especially if you're a parent, sometimes that's the first time you had to just kind of numb out all day. But again, not great because we're taking in that light and we're not resting and relaxing our brains. We're not doing things that are prepping us for sleep. Um, this is from the Huberman Lab. I'm not going to list all of them, but a few of his suggestions. Uh, in ter- and he has a great podcast that has lots and lots of science that, you know, are applicable to our mental health and well-being. So I highly recommend his podcast. But he talks about it's important to view sunlight by going outside within 30 to 60 minutes of waking and doing that again in the late afternoon prior to sunset in order to sleep better. He also suggests waking up around the same time each day and then to go to bed right when you start to feel sleepy. He also suggests avoiding caffeine within 8 to 10 hours of bedtime. He also talks about protocols on the Reverie app if you struggle with sleep disturbance like insomnia or anxiety. There's also, this is from me, not him, but there's also some guided meditation apps like Headspace or Calm. You want to avoid viewing bright lights, especially bright overhead lights between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m., Limit all your naps to less than 90 minutes or avoid napping at all. You might consider taking something like magnesium before bed. You want to keep your room cool and dark and avoid drinking alcohol because it messes up your sleep. So those are a few things. Again, you know, when we're not getting good sleep, our mental health will suffer. That is true. So anyone who is struggling with mental health many times will also be struggling with sleep because our brains really need sleep and our bodies really need sleep. So I would encourage you to focus on that. So for me personally, I am going to try to have a more rhythmic time of going to bed, which is around, I think, 10 or 10.30 for me would be helpful. And in the morning, trying to get outside for that morning sun. I think those are the two things that I'm going to really try to implement just to have a little bit more consistency around sleep. And then, of course, we've already talked about this a little bit, but making sure that you're eating healthier foods, taking time to meal plan, making that part of your rhythm, as we've talked about in previous episodes and as we talked about earlier today, being active. We know that we feel better and we sleep better when we are active and we're moving our body. So these are things that should be in your schedule. They should, if you use a Google Calendar or something like that, it should be actually on your calendar as a non-negotiable, as a fundamental need. And that is also something that I am working on. A gratitude practice is another really helpful thing that we've talked about before on the podcast. I really love having just a very simple one where I write down a couple things each day. I don't do it every day, but when I do it, I think it's really helpful because again, you're training your mind to look for what's good and it helps you. You know, I think especially, I don't know if you feel this way, but you know, with parenting, Sometimes the hard things or the stressful moments can kind of outweigh the good things. And there's something about that. And, you know, maybe even if you don't have kids, it's just like the stressful moments of the day can like feel like they hold more weight, uh, maybe an interaction with your partner that was hard. So I think just really practicing gratitude and looking for the good can help us to not to avoid what's bad, but more just to like 
remember and hold on to what is good also. I also encourage you to schedule downtime or time just to be alone. And again, this should be quality time. And instead of just automatically reaching for our phones to kind of numb out this time to like reflect, to be with your own emotions, to let your mind wander, to daydream, to plan, just kind of really quality time to like nurture and take care of yourself is a really important thing in mental health. I also want to talk about something that also can be tricky when you have a family and you're busy or you're, you know, in school or doing something that makes it hard to have time. And that is to really build in time for supportive relationships. Um, I think it's tricky because we get busy. And also, I don't know about you, but I feel like as I've had kids, I used to be pretty extroverted, at least I thought I was. And as I've gotten older and had kids, I feel more introverted. But I think it's more just that I don't get much time by myself. And so I crave that more, whereas maybe before I got enough time by myself. So I craved interaction more. Um, so I still love being with people though. And I, I guess it's one of those things where I always feel like, you know, a lot of times I'm like excited for the thing that I schedule. And then as it gets closer, I'm like, Oh, like I just want to stay home. And then I go and I'm so grateful that I did. And so we just know that like being around supportive people and having supportive connections and relationships, it really helps to decrease loneliness. It's going to help set us up um, well for midlife and also for our elderly years where we know that loneliness can be a really big problem. So we want to invest in our relationships. We want to invest time and effort. And so this goes for me too, that like I want to be more intentional about spending time with people that I care about. Um, Something I've shared on Instagram before, but I think a great hack for this is when you hang out with somebody that you enjoy hanging out with, that you schedule your next visit at that time because then you have something on the calendar. And that way it's not like, oh, we should hang out sometime. And then like months later, oh, we should hang out sometime, which, you know, I think we can all be prone to doing. So kudos to you if you are doing a good job keeping up with your relationships. I also have found like I love cooking and entertaining, but Also, sometimes just like making it easy might make it easier to host or to have people over. So just giving yourself grace, like if you don't like to cook or even if you do like me, but you just have a lot going on, like giving yourself some flexibility that like maybe you just order pizza or you just make it easy and roast s'mores, but just like scheduling time for connection in a way that doesn't feel stressful or overwhelming to you. So we have a special guest today. We are joined by my husband, David, and he has graced us with his presence and taken some time out of his busy schedule. I asked him to join us because when I was thinking about routines and also about doing these behaviors that can improve our mental health, I was thinking about how my husband has for over a hundred days now started some new habits that have really helped him and I've noticed a big difference. So I wanted to ask him first about what he's been doing and also what he's noticed from doing it. Well, thank you so much for uh, uh, having me on and asking me that. Um, There's not a lot of people who ask me that, so I'm really excited to talk about it. I started over 100 days ago thinking, you know, I really wanted to make some changes Um, I was really good about making short-term goals, but then just falling off. And so I was looking for some kind of a discipline or program where, you know, I could have some consistency. And I had been reading and and looking for, you know, different programming. And I ended up stumbling onto an app 
called Day One Journal. And in it, you can log, you know, your, your let's say, your, your morning routine. And so I had this commitment where I was going to wake up, try and wake up at the same time every day. And no, no, he does wake up at an ungodly hour. So um, I will not be incorporating that into my routine and you can choose your own journey on this. But the point is, is that is is what he does. But I do want to say, like, he wakes up at crazy town early, like it's the middle of the night early. OK, back to David. It is early. It is early. But by doing it every day, it doesn't seem um, uh, un, uh, doesn't seem abnormal. It seems normal now. And so I get up, you know, 4.35 and pray, meditate. And then on the way to the gym, I listen, I do mental training. So I'll listen to a podcast, some kind of a motivating podcast or a learning one. And um, it really kind of gets my mind grounded. So by the time I go for a workout, you know, I'm kind of I'm more in the mindset, I'm more grounded, and then I'll work out. And I'll typically work out for... 20, 40 minutes, nothing crazy, but just consistent. And so I'll, I'll mix it up with swimming, um, weightlifting, um, you know, just moving my body. And, you know, that consistency, you know, I, I don't think I had that in my entire life where I had something where I was waking up and I'm not training for something. Um, you know, I wake up now and I just get up because that's just what I do. And I pray, meditate, go work out. And so each day, whenever I'm, you know, wondering, you know, struggling in the morning, I just kind of, you know, turn that off and go, that's just what we do now. And so it's been, you know, over 100 days, 115. And, you know, I've felt, you know, a lot of changes. One is, you know, my body is feeling better, you know, overall better fitness, uh, better functional fitness with my kids because, you know, I'd throw my back out or I just, you know, when I wasn't in shape, it was, it was harder. I suffered just as much not working out than whenever I do work out. So I'd much rather suffer on the willingness side because, um, you know, I, I get these health benefits, these, um, you know, uh, mental benefits. It's, there, it's therapeutic. And um, so, yeah, that's what been, that's, is, it's working for me now. I'm still motivated to do it, you know, and, and my wife has been very supportive and she does, you know, she has, wakes up and, and gets the kids ready and gets them off to school and she has her busy schedule. But, you know, I'm so appreciative of that time because I feel like it allows me to be, be a better father, a better husband. And, um, you know, I, I think I have that, you know, ingrained discipline now where, you know, the day seems a little bit easier. And so whenever I, you know, come up against, you know, challenges, it just feels like, you know, that I'm, they're more manageable. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I'm wondering, um, like, I mean, you know, I've, I've definitely noticed in you that you seem more happy since you've started doing this. I've noticed a really big difference in like, you know, just like in you and like your mental health and, and in your wellness. Does, it, does that feel true to you? Or like, what would you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree that, you know, it's, it's improved my spiritual life. It has improved my uh, mental health. And, um, yeah, I think, um, I can attribute that, you know, to having that regular routine. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about the app? I think that, um, this is not sponsored, but 
app if you would like to sponsor me you sure can but the app I want you to tell us a little bit about the app because you've been tracking consistently it's in a pretty it's a pretty cool app that's helped him to kind of keep track so can you tell us a little bit about it what it does and what you've been doing on it Sure. So um, let's see here. It's, it allows you to each day you can log, you know, whether or not, you know, it's an activity, you know, you can upload a photo. I have a photo of the day. My kids uh, make fun of me at this point because, you know, I'll have a photo of the day. So it uploads it. Also, if I've, you know, if I'm doing some mental training, I'll put that link in there. And also just, you know, um, you know, in the morning, sometimes I'll, I'll sit and uh, just journal a little bit. And it, the, the thing I really like about it is it, tracks your streak. And so it lets you know if you have two consistent days or three. And so, you know, then whenever I had this goal to just have this endless streak, um, it's really showed me that, you know, that, you know, through challenges, through life's up and down, that I can have this consistency no matter where I am. And um, the app is really cool because, you know, now I'm starting to see on a previous year on that same day, it'll show you okay, here's, you know, here's your journal entry. And so it's just, um, you know, had always wanted to journal because I know that that's also kind of a good outlet and uh, it kind of just ties in with uh, the whole programming. That app is called Day One and it is considered the app, Apple's app of the year. Wow. So I will go ahead and link that in the show notes for you. So David, for us people who are not quite as ambitious to start like 97 new habits and keep them for a hundred days, I'm like wondering what, like for people out there who are maybe just like struggling to get started building a routine or a rhythm, is there any advice that you would give to them? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, um, you know, there's so much information, you know, you've been sharing a lot of great information, you know, just about mental health and easy things you can kind of do to get started. And, uh, for me, you know, you can go like even to YouTube. And so when you start finding these sources of information, their algorithm will give you more information, you know, in a similar vein. But, um, you know, some of the easy things you can do is uh, one is uh, some kind of a, a practice where you are just uh, setting some time aside to kind of be more intentional and kind of uh, think about, you know, the day ahead, you know, kind of, you know, if you if you can incorporate some kind of um prayer, meditation, something like that. I think that puts you in the mindset. And there's uh, people have suggested even doing a sauna, you know, some, some kind of a practice that you can just do daily. You know, some people do the cold plunges, but, um, you know, you can start off small and build, like you said, you don't have to do it all at once. I am one who likes to see changes. And so I want to institute enough to where, you know, after 30 days, I can look back and, and look at my progress. But it definitely can just be slow. And some days aren't, you know, the days to, you know, be super intense. Sometimes it's just, you know, I, I go, th go through my, um, my, my discipline and then that's it, you know. But, um, yeah, you can start off small and it doesn't even have to be active, but it does help just to show up. Like I've heard, you know, that a lot that many times and sometimes just the act of showing up, I more than likely will go through with, you know, whatever activity that is. No, that's all super helpful. Um, any last words? Uh, thank you for doing this and having me on. And uh, I really appreciate you and I love you. Oh, I love you too. Thank you for being a good role model. You're, but I really am proud of you because you've made a lot of changes and like you've really shifted things for yourself and for our family. And I'm proud of you.
All right. And back to the show. So in conclusion for today, you know, routines can really help us to alleviate anxiety. They can help us to promote healthy habits and to help us combat burnout. And specifically today, we talked a lot about our space, our what we're taking in visually and how it impacts our mood as well as our stress levels. And so I just wonder, like, what routines might be helpful in your life? Maybe what are you doing well? And maybe what areas could use a little bit of work or attention? Again, routines help us create a sense of stability and predictability. It helps with decision fatigue, right? If we have a rhythm or routine in place, we don't have to think about it. In fact, I've really enjoyed um, in this Chelsea Joe program I'm going through is like laying out the different structures and systems because I'm a person like who has a million tabs open in my head all the time and on my computer And I think when I'm thinking about like all the things I have to do, it's like I can get like overwhelmed and then I don't do any of them or I do like the most basic thing, but it doesn't really move the needle forward. So there's something about knowing that like it's okay, like there's a structured time for that. It helps me to not have to worry about like where I'm going to put that thing, right? That it's like, okay, there's a time block where I'm going to, for example, you know, clean out the cabinets or touch up the paint or you know, the things that are just swimming in my head to have uh, some rhythm and routine around that. And again, I've said this once before today, but please strive for progress, not perfection. We're not perfect. Our lives are not perfect. But as best as we can, we want to do the things to help our mental health. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about how a lot of our mental health is directly, I mean, of course, there's biology involved, right, that we cannot help. But a lot of our just day-to-day mood and health and wellness is directly correlated to the behaviors that we're doing to support it or not. And that might sound a little frustrating or overwhelming, like I wish we could just feel amazing and not have to do anything to feel amazing. But the truth is, is like we have these bodies and they need taken care of in these you know various ways that we've talked about. And as we do those things, it improves our mood, it improves, you know, it decreases our stress, it helps us to function better, it helps us to show up in our lives the way that we want to show up. So I do want to say that if you are a person who is struggling with your mental health, maybe trying to implement these routines or structures is just too much, like you just cannot do the behavior that will help you to feel better then it might be time to consider therapy or it might be time to consider getting some screening done. You know, a lot of people struggle with ADHD that is undiagnosed. Um, Or even, you know, you might have anxiety or depression that is really keeping you from being able to implement the behaviors that will help to increase your baseline and to help you to feel better. So please reach out for help if you need that, if that's something that you need. I'm going to link a worksheet that I have created for you that is going to help you to identify like what are my core needs? What are my fundamental needs as Chelsea Joe calls them? And what are some practices that I can implement to start scheduling time to make space for these things? So you can get that on in the show notes or you can also find that at jenalley.com. I will say that my website is currently under construction. So some of the links are not working because we are switching servers. And we also, um, I am having a new website built by my amazing brother. And he 
surprised me with it and I'm so grateful and I will tell you more about that. Hopefully it'll be done for next week's show. So if if my website's down, that is why, or if you can't get something to work. So for now, you can find it on the show notes. So thanks so much for listening to today's episode. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at jen.alley.therapist. You can also help so much by sharing this episode with a friend or also being sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. It's also really helpful if you can go in and review if you have found any of these episodes helpful because that is how people find the podcast. Thanks so much again for spending this time with me and I will look forward to seeing you next Wednesday.